We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast, kind of a bonus edition. I had a lot to get through on last night's show, as Sean and I were recording it last night anyway. We went over a ideal trade deadline, and frankly, we ran out of time. So this is kind of the extended version. We're going to get into the mailbag a little bit today, and I want to talk a bit about Lakers versus Suns tonight, which is obviously a big match. If the Lakers can get this done, get a win, this will be three in a row. That would go a long way towards making Lakers fans feel a little bit better after that terrible, terrible slide post-in-season tournament they can go on a three-game winning streak. So we could talk a little bit about that. But frankly, been a busy day already today. The NBA world, man, it has been buzzing. So much stuff going on. Lakers-specific. I already put out a video this morning on uh, the Lakers potentially being a landing spot for DeJounte Murray, according to Jake Fisher. The Lakers and, and Hawks could have a path on a DeJounte Murray trade, but it's a big but. It would require the Lakers to put Austin Reeves into the deal. Now, I know what you're saying, what you're thinking, then there is no deal. We're not putting Austin Reeves into a trade to get DeJounte Murray, but Jake Fisher put out there that perhaps the Hawks would add something to their side to convince the Lakers to include Austin Reeves. Now, keep in mind, a deal would probably have to be built around, say, Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura or Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. That's just in order to get the math to work. You'd have to do something like that. So that's added value there from the Lakers side. But the Hawks do have a number of really interesting players. If they want to get into a bigger deal, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Keith Smith brought up over on the front office show. We were recording that earlier today. Sadiq Bey, I brought up Kobe Bufkin, who's a young player. If the Lakers want another crack at a young point guard, they already have Jalen Ochefino, though, who's spending his time in the G League. But uh, Keith Smith also brought up, what if the Lakers were to get a first-round pick? There's a first-round pick coming in from the Kings, from the Hawks. What if it was a first in exchange for Rui and Austin and, of course, DeJounte Murray going to the Lakers as well, and then the Lakers can take that first, attach it to D'Angelo Russell, who has a $17 million contract, and go get another player out there on the market. Perhaps this becomes a much bigger deal. Again, this is all speculation at this point, but if you're the Lakers and you are at least willing to listen to the idea that you would have to put Austin Reeves into a trade, but the Hawks would give something back in addition to DeJounte Murray, well, maybe there comes a point where the Lakers will budge a little bit. That said, Fisher did note that the Lakers are telling everybody 
they're not going to trade Austin Reeves. And I still think that is the the most likely outcome here is the Lakers don't trade Austin Reeves. They try to get something done without moving him. And you just move forward from there. That's that's the most likely path we see the Lakers go down. But interesting, the idea that the Hawks could add something, maybe of some significance, to a trade to DeJounte Murray in order to get Austin Reeves into the deal uh, for Murray to go to the Lakers. So I think he's an interesting target overall. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on him because I already broke it down a little bit on the, the earlier video I did today, but I think he's an interesting target, DeJounte Murray is. I do like him better than Zach Levine as a target, and that is some of that is salary-related. If they were the same uh, salary, if they had the same contract, we could go back and forth on it. DeJounte Murray worries me a little bit that he's very dependent on his pull-up jumper on the uh, on the long two, on being efficient from that. His three-point shooting is great this year, but historically has not been great. And so that's where I worry as well, and that's a little bit of Lakers PTSD that the Lakers are going to get a guy who's shooting great, and he's not going to shoot great anymore once he puts on a Lakers jersey. That, of course, is a fear of mine. And then defensively, he's good, not great, but he's a good defender. So, like, is he really... He's not a lockdown defender. He's not, despite what the percentages say, he's at 39% from three this season. I don't know if I buy that just yet. I, I am not totally sold that he's a, a great three-point shooter either. And those are the two most important things for anybody playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, DeJounte Murray's a very talented player. I don't know if he's the perfect fit, but depending on what you have to give up, you've got to at least listen to what the Hawks are saying here if you can find a path to getting something done. He could be a, a nice upgrade talent-wise uh, for this roster. But if you got to part with Austin Reeves, man, it had better be a great deal. It'd be a, better be a great deal for the Lakers if you're going to consider doing something like that. All right. Tonight, because it is game day, Lakers versus Suns. Now, this game, as I said, is, is pretty important for the Lakers. If they can get this thing, that's three in a row. The Lakers have already played the Suns three times this season, so we really know what to expect here. We already know what to expect. They've played the Suns three times. Once was in the tournament. Uh, well, I guess once was in the group stage of the tournament as well. But And they do still have, I believe, two more games left against the Suns. So they'll play them five times this year. But we've, we're pretty familiar with the Suns at this point. It's difficult to beat a team that many times in a row. Now, that doesn't mean the, the Lakers are going to lose this one. It's a nationally televised game. Um, but it is difficult to beat a team three times in a row. That's That's not an easy thing to do. Uh, the Lakers, as of right now, are a slight favorite. I'm looking at the line. It's literally a point and a half, so it's almost a pick em. And look, Phoenix, we know what they can do offensively. With Kevin Durant, if Kevin Durant gets going, if Devin Booker gets going, if if, if Bradley B contributes in a significant way, that's it. Meanwhile, the Lakers, they have to dominate the paint. Really, Anthony Davis is still haunting the nightmares of Yusuf Nurkic, and that has to continue to be a thing. Anthony Davis, just like last game against the Toronto Raptors, he had to be dominant, and he was. Uh, in this one, Anthony Davis has to dominate Yusuf Nurkic in this matchup, and then you need the other Lakers to step up once again, and that's been one of the big keys with this team. You need the other guys to step up. That's when they're at their best, when you can get solid performances out of, say, a Cam Reddish, out of Christian Wood, uh, D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. I feel like we still, still on the season, have we seen even a game where both D'Lo and Reeves have objectively good games? Feels like they've been chips passing in the night. One guy is hot, the other guy is cold. 
for a month sometimes, and they just kind of flip-flop, um, would be nice, would be a big help if the Lakers could get both of them to have a, a really strong performance in this one, particularly when you're dealing with some of these high-scoring Suns players. The Lakers are going to need their offense. It's not going to be able to falter. They're going to have to continue to produce throughout the game. You go through one of those stretches where it's three, four minutes, and they don't score, that could be the difference in winning or losing this one. So that's another key. Can the Lakers offense, particularly those guards, get any kind of consistency right now? Rui Hachimura still listed as doubtful as of this moment. The final injury report is not out yet, though. Cam Reddish is also questionable. Uh, he's been still managing that groin injury, and then LeBron is listed as questionable, but he's questionable for every single game. I would expect that he's going to play. Uh, Cam Reddish and Rui Hachimura, though, worth keeping an eye on. Rui, obviously doubtful. I'm not expecting to see him in this one tonight, but he is almost back from that calf strain. Cam Reddish, you know, for as problematic as his ball handling has been and how turnover prone he's been and how loud the turnovers have been because they are um, Shackton level turnovers where he's kind of falling all over himself. Defensively, the Lakers could really use him in this matchup, really use him against a guy like Kevin Durant, really use him against Devin Booker, even, even Bradley Beal. So I hope that Cam Reddish is a go, but he's listed as questionable with that injury. If he's not able to go, that puts a little bit more on Torian Prince and on Jared Vanderbilt defensively. We know Prince has not been good defensively. In fact, we're getting to the point now where he gets targeted, kind of like Austin Reeves gets targeted or, or D'Angelo Russell does. So he's going to have to really step up his game as well. But the Lakers need some of the heavy lifting done by their role players. They need at least one or two of their role players to really have big performances and then a couple of other guys to turn in just solid nights. Not bad, but solid. You need like a like a 15-point Christian Wood night. You need like a 20-plus point night out of either uh, Reeves or D'Lo, the other one to be pretty good, and then everybody else to just be kind of solid. And then in addition to LeBron and AD doing their thing, that's what you need for, in terms of offensive production if you're going to win this one. Of course, you got to be efficient. They've got to be able to hit the, hit the three tonight. They've got to be able to get to the free throw line and really punish this Suns defense, which is just not a great defensive team. But again, they can light you up. So I, I'm expecting a battle here. Again, three games in a row, the Lakers have beat the Suns this season. Can they make it four? That'll be difficult. But if they can, that will be three wins in a row. That will be much needed to really burst out of this slump that the Lakers have been in. Taking a peek at the schedule ahead. By the way, it's a 7 o'clock Pacific time game, TNT game, so nationally televised. We will be live on Playback. Playback.tv slash Lakers Nation is where you can watch the game directly with us or right here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Those of you watching on YouTube right now is where you can come and view our play-by-play. -play. That's also here. So you can hang out, chat, and listen to our play-by-play -play of the game as well. So... Uh, after this on the schedule, Lakers go Suns and then Saturday head to Utah. Now, looking when we were a week or so ago, looking at the schedule, we went, oh, cool. Well, they get a little break. You go Phoenix, Utah, OKC, Dallas. That's a tough four game stretch, but at least you get Utah in the middle of it. Pick up a win there. Suddenly, Utah is eight and two in their last 10. They've won three in a row and the three teams they've beaten. Oh, my goodness. Are the 76ers, Bucks and Nuggets. And I'm not going to do a full jazz breakdown here, but they've also got, they lost to the Celtics, and then the three games prior to that, they won three in a row. One was against the Pistons, but the other two were the Mavs and the Heat. So in the last, what is that, eight games? Seven, in the last seven games, they're, they've won six of their last seven. 
And in those six, their six wins are Mavs, Heat, Pistons, Sixers, Bucks, Nuggets. Good Lord, Utah. What is going on? If you remember the start of last year, the Jazz at one point were the one seed and then that fell apart. It feels like that burst is suddenly hitting this season. It's just hitting in the middle of the season. And unfortunately, it's hitting right when the Lakers are on deck to play the Jazz. So that is certainly not ideal either. Fortunately, though, the Jazz do play tomorrow night against the Raptors. And then the Lakers get the Jazz on the second night of a back-to-back. So that helps the Lakers cause a, a little bit. But still, suddenly this game that we looked at is, oh, hey, this is the nice kind of break in the schedule. Maybe not so much at this point. By the way, uh, speaking about speaking of the Raptors, uh, Darko Ryakovich, the coach for Toronto, was indeed fined $25,000 for his epic rant after the Lakers beat the Raptors by a point the other night. He was so angry basically insinuated that the NBA wanted the Lakers to win, and so they cheated to help the Lakers win, and that the referees made sure that the Lakers won the game. Um, I put on my Instagram an image of a, a dinosaur crying because you go back and watch that game. Look, yes, the Lakers had a 23-2 free throw advantage. We've talked all about this. I'm not going to rehash it too much, but I mean, come on. The, the Raptors were intentionally fouling down the stretch in order to, to stop the clock. They had no center to defend Anthony Davis, so they just fouled him a ton all night. There should be a free throw discrepancy with that context, right? Um, he can argue maybe they should have got more than two free throws, but yeah, I, I don't mind the passion, but uh, but you knew the fine was coming, and there it is. So now uh, the Raptors get fined. Okay, I do need to get to the mailbag. Now, again, Lakers Suns tonight. I hope you do come join us and, and hang out with us during the game. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, seven o'clock Pacific time, YouTube playback. That's where you can find us. But let's get into these are some comments from the Raptors post game from fans. And you guys know the way this is going to work. I'm going to use this to kind of pinball around and get into a lot of different topics. Uh, first question asks, What are your thoughts on a Gary Trent Jr. trade? What would that look like? So, you know, what's funny is that. Lakers fans, I think because he's kind of been the guy that got away for years, like this has been a guy the Lakers have been linked to for a long time. We tend to think very highly of Gary Trent Jr. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's still somehow just 24 years old. Feels like he's been in the league forever. But he's 24 years old. Um, Raptors fans tend to list him as a guy they, they're ready to move, like they're open to moving. So kind of interesting the way that works. But $18.5 million this season for Gary Trent Jr. Look, he can shoot the three. Is he a true three and D guy? I, the, the last I looked at his advanced metrics, the numbers don't show that he's a great defensive player, but he can shoot the three, right? And so you, and that's you'll you'll take that you'll take that that he can shoot the three. The Lakers need three point shooting. Um, they don't attempt enough threes. They're bottom third in the NBA in three point percentage, and they're dead last in three point attempts. They could certainly use more guys who can shoot the three. But eighteen and a half million. You're talking about a D'Angelo Russell trade or a Rui Hachimura trade in order to make that happen. So personally, I wouldn't trade either guy for Gary Trent Jr. And I like him just fine. He's on an expiring contract. So maybe you could argue that if you were to say flip D'Angelo Russell or Rui um, for him, then you don't have to worry about future salary because his contract expires. Rui has three years on his deal. D'Angelo Russell has this season, the player option for next season. So in that way, you could free up future flexibility, but I would rather have Rui or D'Lo. So I'm, I'm not that, I mean, a bigger trade, Maybe he winds up being put in there. 
Um, I guess in theory, you could do something around like Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, and a contract like throw Jackson Hayes in, and then you're stacking up salaries to get there. But do the Raptors have the roster spots and the desire to do that? Probably not. So I don't see an easy path to a, a Gary Trent Jr. trade. Um, unless you're of the mindset that you'd rather have him than D'Angelo Russell or Rui Hachimura. Michael said, is it NBA defense to not stay at home on three-point shooters? Lakers suck in on the drive and leave the three open too much. Why not stay at home and let the player go one-on-one? Yeah, so that's... Part of that is a scheme that's that is that's a decision, and the Lakers are making a calculated decision by leaving specific players, leaving guys who historically have shot poorly from three. Unfortunately, it's not worked for them. Uh, they've had guys like Marcus Smart, who's now out for six weeks with a finger injury, at least six weeks, um, who have shot poorly all season, and then against the Lakers, they shoot lights out. It's just been the way it's gone. Some of it is bad luck. Some of it is because, hey, guys tend to shoot better when you leave them wide open. So it, it's a scheme thing. It's not a Lakers-specific thing. Is it NBA defense to not stay at home in three-point shooters? It's NBA defense to pick certain guys that you're going to leave. Um, for example, teams will leave Cam Reddish. Even Cam Reddish went four for six last game. They will leave him all day because he shoots 30%. They'll leave Jared Vanderbilt happily. They will ignore the fact that he's even on the court on the offensive end. So it just depends on who it is. Um, as far as do you, if you feel like teams get off too many shots against the Lakers, too many threes, one thing to keep in mind is there's a lot of teams that hunt specifically for threes. Like that's what they're looking for is the three. So you got to keep that in mind too. It's not possible to shut down every three-point attempt. It's just not. But the Lakers' three-point defense does need improvement. And I thought they showed improvement against the Raptors where they started to really focus on trying to lock that down. Now, they didn't force a poor percentage out of the Raptors, that's for sure. But we saw the Lakers contesting much more, sometimes to their detriment, because they picked up some fouls on three-point shots, which that's a big no-no. Brad said, now if they can just beat the good teams, well, I mean, they did, did beat the Clippers. And the Clippers have been the hottest team in the league, but point taken. Uh, Brad gifted a Lakers Nation channel membership, and Robert Alexander became a channel member. By the way, if you guys haven't checked out the membership program, I just did a live show yesterday for channel members. Channel members got to come on stage, talk through everything. We got to talk trade deadline, all kinds of stuff. It's a good time. We've got some pretty cool perks for channel members, so click that join button. And you can find out all the perks that the channel membership offers over on YouTube. Uh, Kratos said, oh, and this is something I've been thinking about. He said, be ready for zero foul calls against the Suns. That's the big question here. It's not so much like, should Darko have said what he said? Was he going to get fined? Of course, he was getting fined. You know, we knew all that was going to happen. For the from the Lakers' perspective, beyond just the, the, the buzz around of all the non-Lakers fans around the league going, see, I told you they cheat for the Lakers, which is ridiculous. Um, beyond that, the real question is, does this impact the officiating in tonight's game? Does this change the way the Lakers are officiated against the Suns? Do they now not get calls because the referees know they're under the microscope and they'd rather not make a call for the Lakers? That's that's something to keep an eye out for. The, the NBA referees will never admit that that's a thing, but it's, it, it's a thing. It's a thing. Canadian Laker fan. Said, hi, Trevor and Sean. Two days as a member, two wins. Oh, there you go. There you go. You're good luck. Good luck, my friend. Elias said, I love the Lakers. 
but only questionable thing was the out-of-bounds block by Wood. He was definitely the last touch. I was talking about that call. It was hard to tell. Like, you have to kind of look at the different angles. I found it hard to tell whether or not Christian Wood actually knocked that ball out of bounds on the, I think it was a Kawhi Leonard block. He blocked Kawhi Leonard. Um, but the angle we saw did look like Wood maybe got the last touch. But Kawhi is known for having those claws, right? Um, and uh, maybe maybe he did get a touch on it from the other angle, which is the angle the referee was viewing from. But the replay they showed on TV did look like Christian Wood got the last touch. Robert said, Cam Reddish shot the ball well from deep tonight, but why can't he hold on to the ball? I don't know. I don't know. Um, that was... That was rough. Uh, it, it's an adventure. It's it's to the point where I'll be honest, and I'm I'm doing the play by play over on playback on the YouTube channel. If Cam Reddish or Jared Vanderbilt is if the ball winds up in their hands on a fast break, it can be a three on one. You're not scoring. That's the way I see it. Is that the truth? No, of course they. I'm sure they score sometimes, but it feels like it's very unlikely that you're going to wind up scoring if the ball ends up in either one of their hands on a, in a, even a three on one fast break. Um, it's, it's to the point I mentioned this on the last live show. It's to the point where like, if one of them is cutting, it's almost like you can't give them the ball because you can't trust that they're going to finish it. And it, most often it winds up being a turnover or a bad miss right at the rim, which leads to guys being behind the play and a breakaway going the other way. Like it's, it actually fuels your opponent's offense. That's how bad it is. Uh, I hope that's not something that continues, but but he did shoot well. So we'll take that. He was four for six from three. Top Doc said even Lakers commentators think Cam Reddish thinks the Cam Reddish foul shouldn't be a flagrant foul. I hate Stu Lance. I, I love Stu. Stu's great. I've, I've met him in person, and he is exactly the way you would expect him to be. Um, shouldn't be a flagrant foul. Yeah, like so. Here's the the deal. If you want to look at it old school style. Flagrant foul. Was there intent? Did Emmanuel quickly try to elbow Cam Reddish in the face? I don't think he did. I don't think. I don't think on the play his goal was to elbow Cam Reddish. I don't think that was what the goal of the play was. That said, if you go into the NBA rules, and I did, and you look at what the criteria is for a flagrant foul in this type of situation, um, it's. Was there was the player injured? That's part of it. That's part of the verbiage. Was the player actually injured on the play? What's the level of injury that was sustained? And I thought Cam Reddish, uh, I'm surprised we haven't seen him in concussion protocol or anything. I thought he was out. I didn't like that when he did eventually sit up. And I'm not being he was like out cold, out cold. I think he probably got knocked for a loop. I didn't like that he was grabbing his head so often before they took him off the floor. Uh, and then he was like constantly blinking. It looked like head injury. Was it at stake here? He also busted his lip open. So yes, the player was significantly injured. The fact that it was a blow to the head as well um, is something else that they take into account. Was it a natural basketball move? I, I think it probably was. It probably fits that criteria. But you checked enough boxes with this play where the referees were, first of all, right to review it. And you checked enough of the flagrant foul boxes that I can get why they called it. I wouldn't have been upset necessarily if they didn't call it a flagrant foul either, but in the specific flagrant one criteria, 
there's stuff that this play definitely met. And so that's where I understand the referees making that a flagrant foul. But I also can say, if you're Stu Lance and you've been doing this for decades and a flagrant foul has historically meant you're, you're trying to hurt somebody, like you're not playing the ball, right? We talk about that a lot. A guy goes straight to somebody's head or something and isn't playing the ball. Okay, that's what we think of as a flagrant foul, right? In this case, was the intent to not play the ball or, you know, Emmanuel quickly had the ball, but was the intent to injure the opponent? No. And so that's where I get Stu saying, oh, I don't think it should be a flagrant because it doesn't really fit that criteria, which is kind of the natural criteria we all go to, but that's not really the way the NBA actually views a flagrant foul. Uh, Ty, how do we feel about trading for Malcolm Brogdon? Despite pace, he seems like a great piece. Yeah, he is. Um, I think if you're the Lakers, you um, he'd be a nice fit. There's injury concern, of course. The question is, what do you have to give up in order to get him? How do you do that? How do you pull that off? Will the Blazers even trade with the Lakers? I've talked about this before. The Blazers hate the Lakers as though they are their right arch rival. It's funny because Lakers don't think about the Blazers. And maybe that's the going back to like Mad Men or whatever, that's the most like damning thing you can say. I don't think about you at all, but and it sounds so arrogant, but but it's the truth. Like, like I don't give a second thought to the poor. I think about the Clippers. I think about the Celtics as teams that from the Lakers side we we dislike. The Blazers not so much, but that's not true going the other way. And um, yeah, it's I wouldn't mind a Malcolm Brogdon trade. But what are the pieces going out? That's going to be the key there. And I think you got to be careful. You can't overpay because he's got that injury history. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Doer Jeans. I'm the kind of guy that prioritizes comfort above all else. But with Doer, I don't get just comfort. I also get a great look. Doer are the kind of jeans that you can wear just lounging around the house and be perfectly comfortable in them. But you could also wear them out to dinner, which is Pretty much how I use them. I lounge around the house. I will also wear them out to dinner. I will wear my doer jeans anywhere. They are a stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel that's designed for all day comfort and durability. They have styles for men and women that can be worn year round. They're antibacterial as well, which means less washing, which is something that I really like. And they're sustainably crafted to last. So they'll be in my closet for years to come. Now, if you're a local fan in LA, Doer's flagship store is located on Larchmont Boulevard in central LA. Highly encourage you to go try them for yourself and see just how comfortable they are. If you're not in LA, you can still shop online at shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. I love my Doer jeans. I know you will too. Check out Doer's flagship store in LA or Denver or go to shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. You get 15% off site wide right now when you use that URL, shopduer.com slash Lakers Nation. Take advantage because Doer never goes on sale. Don't wait. 15% off. Go to shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. TJ, so what do you guys think about Delo skipping media? You know what? It's to me, it's the quintessential nothing until it's something type of situation. That's that's the way I see it. It's nothing until it's something. So in my mind, I understand why D'Angelo Russell would be upset. He's got a player option next summer. He has all the incentive in the world to have a big season, cash in, get a big contract, and now. He's on the bench, and I thought that he was having a better game than Austin was, if I'm being honest. 
um, against the Raptors, and yet Austin was the guy who got the lion's share of the minutes and finished the game. Now, Austin also hit a big three late in that game, had a really nice driving kick, and it worked out. But if we're basing who closes on merit, I thought D'Angelo Russell up to that point was probably playing a little bit better than Austin was. So if he's frustrated with his minutes, frustrated with the situation, I understand why, given the context. Hopefully, it's not trade deadline related that he's upset. He's frustrated by trade rumors because then he's just misinformed. Somebody did not do a good enough job of explaining to him what signing that specific contract, a two-year deal with the player option after one year, would mean for the trade market. It guaranteed that he was going to be on the trade market. The second he signed that deal, might have well have been in writing, especially when they, they negotiated out the no-trade clause. So I hope people are saying, well, he doesn't want to be traded. There was even the suggestion in an article lately that he played poorly on purpose against the Bulls because he didn't want to be traded to Chicago. That implication uh, came out. I, I have a hard time buying that, I'll be honest, and I hope that's totally false and a player wouldn't actually do that. But if you're D'Angelo Russell and if you are in some way surprised by this or you were not prepared for this, then that's on you. And your representation, again, I don't. that may not be the case. So I don't want to assume that is. But if that, that's what it is, as a lot of fans have suggested to me, that he just doesn't want to be in trade rumors, then you were terribly misinformed about what the contract you signed meant. Um, it guaranteed he was going to be in trade rumors. It's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. And you just have to be ready for it. Again, though, this may have nothing to do with that. He may be just upset about his minutes, and that's it. Maybe it's something else entirely. We don't know. And we won't know. Until he talks to the media and explains it. Um, Stans said, could have been a blowout if we played any defense. Gifting teams wide open shots and wondering why they're making them. XM smart, etc. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Lakers defense did a better job against the Raptors of at least trying to contest the three-point line. But, um, yeah. I don't... I don't think they played necessarily poorly defensively. I thought the Raptors just shot the hell out of the ball. The Raptors, if you notice, they also did a great job of almost exclusively attacking the weaker Lakers defenders. They went after Torrey because there was a mismatch no matter what was going on because of the, all the wings the Raptors deploy. So if it's Torrey and Prince on Scotty Barnes, they're giving the ball to Scotty Barnes. If it's Torrey and Prince on R.J. Barrett, they're giving the ball to R.J. Barrett. If it's Austin Reeves on one of those guys, they're giving the ball to that guy. They went after Possession after possession after possession. Reeves, they went after Prince. D'Lo, when he's on the floor, they're attacking those guys over and over again. And that was a, a path that they used to get a pretty solid percentage. Um, yeah. All right. Sorry, I was just checking a little bit of breaking news there. Nothing major, but this time of year, every time I get one of those notifications, I got to check it because you never know. Mark said, how about the $100,000 half-court winner during halftime? Uh, might be good luck. Yeah, that was great. That was great to see. Dude hit a half-court shot, won 100 grand. Fantastic. And maybe it uplifted the spirits in the arena and helped the Lakers out a little bit. I don't know. Cool dude. Would you trade for Terry Rozier? Sure. Just depends on what. All depends on what. But yeah, I would trade for Terry Rozier. Um, he's an interesting guy. He's a little undersized and that's a concern on the defensive end. The Lakers have been really focusing on positional size. That's a phrase we heard a ton over the summer positional size. So he doesn't fit that bill, 
but he does give you scoring. I think that's one of the things that's pretty clear the Lakers need. They need some punch on the offensive end. And Rozier could potentially give you that. And that's why Zach Levine's been a name that's popped up and a few other guys as well. You need somebody that can give you more on the offensive end. You, I think the Lakers showed during the in-season tournament that if they're at their very best, if they're on, they can be a perhaps top five NBA defense. Now, they haven't been consistently, but if they're on, they can be that. At no point have they shown that they can be a top 10 offense probably not even a top 15 offense. Probably best case, we're talking like 16 to 20 range. Like most of the, for the season, they're in the bottom third easily of the NBA. I think if you can be an elite defensive team, you you have to, if you're going to get to where you want to go, you have to be at least an okay offensive team. And that requires you to be elite defensively. So we're talking, you got to get to around 15 or so. Uh, that means that you really need you really need to get something done here at the trade deadline, something that's going to unlock your offense. Last one here, Ben said, thought Gabe would have been back by now. No, uh, he was a like a six-week, I believe, reevaluate guy. So that was going to take him probably till right after the trade deadline. My guess is probably right after the All-Star break. It, the All-Star break will be close enough that I bet they just hold off and say and give him an extra week to recover and uh and we see him post all-star break that's my guess so i don't think i i don't i'm i wasn't expecting gabe back by now at all all right everybody again a little bit of a bonus episode for the show a lot of good topics there from everybody coming in uh in the, the mailbag segment appreciate all the comments there obviously it is trade season so again make sure you subscribe to this channel we're going to keep you up to date on everything going on in the world of the lakers on the trade front Busy, busy time of year. February 8th is the trade deadline. So again, hit that subscribe button. Game tonight. Let's go Lakers. Let's get the win against the Suns. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.